Section 5 of Irish Idols by Jane Barlow. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Section 5. One day it chanced that the pair had an interview a bit out on the bog, near the place where Brian Kilfoyle and his wife were cutting long tufted grass under a bank for their pig. Mrs. Driscoll had espied the gleam of Mad Bell's red petticoat against the black peat and had sped after it rather than return home unfortified by a word with its wearer as the kilfoyles moved along the bank twitching up bunches of the tangled green blades they gradually came closer to the two women who were sitting on the other side and when mrs bryan arrived within earshot of their discourse mrs o'driscoll was just saying so as i said mad bell I ought to be steppin' back to get the water on the fire in case by any odd chance himself happened home to-night. Not that it's anyways likely, for he's after getting a long job down below at Hillfurthy's thinnin' mangolds and weedin' turnips they are. I wouldn't wonder meself if it wasn't home afoot before the end of the week. Yes, they will, och, they will, and they'll think him a gentleman born they will. Mad Bell murmured absently. It was the refrain of a favourite ditty, but did not throw much light upon the matter in hand. And the lads are along with him, Mrs. O'Driscoll continued, and I told you Rose was gone to stay a couple of days with her sister away at Lisnadrum. It makes the house seem lonesome like, Mad Bell, me dear. Howsomever, it's just for a while, you know. It's not as if I hadn't there coming back to look to. Mad Bell only nodded curtly and went on humming, but it was precisely this passive acquiescence which made her a valuable confidant to Mrs. O'Driscoll, who continued not discouraged. I'm thinking after all, twill be scarce worth me while to be putting down any more betaties this evening on the chance of their coming. The cooled ones I have over from this morning'll do grandly for me if I warm them up, and even so there might be a few left to crisp for the lads in case they were home again breakfast time tomorrow. Jack does have an uncommon fancy for a crisp potato. He always had ever since his two hands were the size to be holding one. So good night to you kindly, Mad Bell. I'll have a sup of water boiling and then if they do come at this moment mrs bryan accidentally pulled a clattering stone down along with her wisp of grass and mrs o'driscoll startled saw that she had been speaking to more ears than mad bells she looked confused and disconcerted by the discovery and said in an apologetic tone ah mrs bryan sure i was just in a manner romancing if you happen to notice Indeed, it's foolish enough, very belike, but she doesn't mind, and the truth is, the bit of a house there does be that quite and lonesome on me these times, and I'm coming in, that I'm afeard, truth it's afeard, I am going back to it, unless I've something made up in me mind to hold off the thought like. For, goodness help me, when I'm stepping up to the door, if I was to be thinking all the while, would be that same way would never the sound of a voice 
or the stir of a foot inside for ever and evermore sure i'd be fit to go distracted outright so i would och but it's that i go in dread of and there's the reason why i keep lettin on they're only away temporary in course i know it's makin a fool of meself i am but it's a sort of comfort all the same and it seems more natural when i get tellin it and talkin about them to somebody else she never troubles herself the creature whatever you let on to her or minds to be contradictin sure now there's no sin in it is there ma'am when it's only yourself you're deceivin so i just plother away to her for me own contentment ah me dad i hadn't the heart mrs brian said when relating the incident to her friends for to say anything agin it to her though it's a queer kind of consolement it seems to me but och she might be hard put to it these times to find any at all if she'd say an odd prayer for them now and again said the widow mcgurk with some sternness she'd be better employed and there might be some sense in it than contrivin old inventions she might too be sure mrs brian said doubtfully but according to me own experience there's naught easier than to be sayin one's prayers and thinkin of different things at the same time and that's no distraction either to a body's mind you might as well be striven to keep the wind out with a sieve full of holes i do suppose there's some things there's no use tryin to contend with and that's a fact said old mrs kilfoyle if one could make one's mind up to believe it but maybe please god she won't be spared over long mrs o'driscoll however stuck persistently to her forlorn device even on days when mad bell was not forthcoming to act as interlocutor she would pause at the accustomed point on her way home and her lips might be seen moving as if she were romancing to herself once pat ryan who passed her by on an occasion when she had been bringing in a load of turf reported a new phase of self-delusion for said he i give you me word she'd her creel there set down on the dyke and first she'd take one little bit of a sod and lay it flat of the stone and that's rosine's she'd say and then she'd put another beside it and says she and that's what i got the lads and here's for molly says she and so on then she'd be puttin them back in the creel but she'd stop to take another look at them makin as if she was considerin and maybe says she this here ud do better for the boys and molly might liefer have the pink coloured one that's the way she kept talkin to herself and i couldn't think what she was at till the idea came into me head twas lettin on she was to be comin home from the town with trifles of presents in her basket for the childer and they grown and gone but all the while you could perceive she knew right well she was just persuadin herself again her reason only she couldn't abide to be thinkin so sure twas melancholious said pat to see her there on the roadside in the rain fiddlin about with them old scraps of turf sods all be herself when the neighbors heard it many of them shook their heads oracularly and said twouldn't be apt to go on that away for very long but how long it 
might have gone on in the natural course of things cannot now be known for it was brought to an end by the interposition of the law's strong arm it was not i am sure the children's fault that for some time before their father's death their scrawls and money orders had arrived but seldom at lisconnel the contents of the communications which did get there showed plainly that they were themselves struggling along painfully enough in the new world and likewise that several other scrawls had failed to reach their destination not a surprising result when one considers their quaintly enigmatical superscriptions and may at the present writing be stowed unavailingly away in blind or dead letter departments but this failing off of remittances conjoined with a series of bad seasons hastened the accumulation of the o'driscoll's arrears and when john died the land agent wrote to his employer at the carlton that the widow's ever paying up appeared to be an utterly hopeless matter which was quite true her neighbours were indeed ready to lend her as far as possible a helping hand but it could not extend itself to the payment of her rent and to grub that out of her screed of stony ground was a task beyond her powers the land agent also wrote that the poor woman who seemed to be an uncivilized feeble-minded sort of creature would be much better in the union and that as she must at any rate be got rid of he had taken immediate steps for serving her with the necessary notices the woman's own view of the case was in some sure what would become of the children if she would be put out of it an argument the futility of which it would have been hard to make her understand she was put out of it however one blustery autumn day when the sub-sheriff's party and the police had caused an unwanted stir and bustle all the morning on the duffclane road along which so many feet seldom pass in a twelvemonth the district was reported disturbed and therefore a squadron of dragoons had been brought from the nearest garrison a tedious way off to protect and overawe their scarlet tunics and brass helmets enlivened the outward aspect of the proceedings vastly making such a gorgeous pageant as our black bogland has perhaps never witnessed before or since not a gossoon but worshipped the stately horses as they passed and thought their plumed and burnished riders almost as supernaturally superb but it must be owned that the latter were for the most part in very human bad tempers in fact when they ascertained the nature and scope of the duty on which they had come so far some of them said a choleric word with such emphasis that their superiors were obliged to choose between deafness and mutiny or at least insubordination and discreetly preferred the lesser evil when the invading force entered lisconnel which it did among afternoon beams just begun to mellow and slant dazzlingly it found an ally in old mrs kilfoyle inasmuch as she enticed mrs o'driscoll to pay her a visit at the critical moment of its arrival the old woman had recognized the widow o'driscoll's fate as one of those things with which there is no contending and had said to herself and 
her daughter-in-law where's the use of having them risin a row there wid draggin her out the creature god pity her that'll never quit for certain of her own free will i'll just step over to her and ax her to come give me a hand wid mendin the bottom that's fallen out of the old turf creel she did always be great at them jobs and always ready to do a body a good turn i'll say that for her deed yes said mrs brian so it came about that at the time when the forcible entrance of her cabin was being effected mrs o'driscoll was out of sight in the kilfoyle's dark little room where the two misses kilfoyles detained her as long as they could but in the end they were not able to prevent the evicted tenant from joining the group of angry and scared and woebegone faces gathered as near the doomed dwelling as the authorities would permit and from saying wirra wirra in a half bewildered horror as she saw each one more of her few goods and chattels added to the little heap of chaos into which her domestic world had changed fast by her door it was decreed that her cabin should be not only unroofed but demolished because as an old bailiff dolefully remarked there never was any tellin where you'd have those boyos as like as not they land the thatch on to it again the first minute your back was turned as easy as you'd clap your old corbeen on your head and there'd be the whole botheration over again as fresh as a daisy therefore when the ancient smoke-steeped weather-worn covering had been plucked from off the skeleton rafters and lay strewn around in flocks and wisps like the wreck of an ogre's brown wig the picks and crowbars came into play for it was before the days of battering ram and maiden the mud walls were solid and thick yet had to yield and presently a broad bit of the back wall fell outward all of a piece as no other sort of masonry falls with a dull heavy thud like a dead body the lime-washed inner surface thus turned up skywards gleamed sharply despite all its smoke-grime against the drab clay and though the interior had been very thoroughly dismantled a few small pictures were still visible nailed on the white as the cordon of police and other officials fell back a pace or so to avoid the toppling wall the widow mcgurk seized the opportunity to make a sally and capture one of these derelict ornaments it was a holy family a crudely coloured print all crimson and blue with a deep gilt border such as you might purchase for a halfpenny any day i sure it's great men you are entirely to be evictin the likes of them she cried shrilly waving her loot aloft as she was hustled back to a respectful distance at lisconnel responded with a low and sullen murmur but mrs o'driscoll's attention was very opportunely taken up by the restoration of this piece of property och woman alive she said and it was himself brought me that one give it to me into me hand sure i remember the day yet as if the sun hadn't gone down on it the old higgler finney 
had come up with his basket and while some of the rest did be about getting a few trifles i was in an uncommon admiration of this howsomever i hadn't a penny to me name to be spendin' on anything in the world so i let him go but sure himself met me below on the road and happened to have a haypenny about him and so he brought it home to me i mind i run out and borrowed a tack from poor mick ryan to put it up wid ay dear look now at the tear it's got at the top comin off this damage seemed for the time being to concern her more than any of her other troubles and she allowed herself to be drawn away on the pretext of depositing the picture safely in the kilfoyle's cabin where she remained until the invaders had departed from lisconnel everybody else watched them trooping off over the bogland with brass and scarlet flashing and glowing splendidly in windy gleams of the sunset they had gone a long way before the purple shadowed gloaming had swallowed up the last far espied glitter with the kilfoyles she found a lodging for some time but she entered her days at the widow mcgurk's where there was no less hospitality and more spare room she was persuaded to make the move chiefly by the consideration that she would there be nearer the crest of the hill for the dominant dread which now brooded over her life we so seldom fall too low for special fear was the home-coming of the childer and they to be stepping along the creatures expecting no harm and then when they're up the hill and in sight of our bit of a house all of a sudden to see there was no trace of it only a desolate room they might better keep the breath of the ocean sea between them and that she seemed to be continually living through in imagination this terrible moment and grew more and more eager to avert it if i could get ever a chance to see them come on the road she said and give them warning afore they'd cross the knockhorn twouldn't come so cruel hard on them and with that end in view she spent many an hour of the bleak winter days which followed her eviction in looking out from the unsheltered hillside towards duffclane it was vain now for any neighbour to profess a firm belief that they would never return just as confidently as he or she had formerly been used to predict their appearance one of these days mrs o'driscoll listened meekly while it was pointed out to her how probably they had settled themselves down over there for good and all and got married maybe or who could tell that one of them mightn't have been took bad and have gone beyond this world altogether the same as his poor father but then she went and looked out again the young doynes and sheridans who at that time were quite small children remember how she would stop them when she met them and bid them be sure if if ever by any chance they saw rose or one of the lads coming along to mind and tell them that their father was gone and she was put out of it but that mrs mcgurk was given her shelter and no fear they wouldn't find her and to bid them make haste all the haste they could it must have been when she was on the watch one perishing march day that she caught the cold which carried her off with very little resistance on her part 
she was herself too weak and still too much taken up with the children's affairs to fret about the fact that the expenses of her burying would certainly be defrayed by the house but it distressed lisconnel seriously and would never have been permitted to occur could the requisite sum have been by any means amassed the circumstance added some gloom to the sorrowful mood in which her neighbours saw another procession pass over the hill on a still wet morning when the rain rustled all along the road and the grey mist curtains were closely drawn none of the children have come back again and it may now be hoped that they never will chapter seven thunder in the air considering everything lisconnel musters as large a congregation as could be expected for mass down beyant on sundays and saints days but then so many things have to be considered including primarily those long lines of desolate road that its numbers are actually small for when from the population of the place you have deducted the people who are too young or too old or crippled like peter and peg sheridan or minding babies and invalids and from the residuum again abstract the men who prefer basking in the sun should it happen to spread that poor man's feast and the boys who under any meteorological conditions whatever would choose rather to rush and yell about the wild bog than sit still within four solemn walls you will find no very imposing contingent left of course there are many days of the year when wind and weather permit nobody to attempt the journey but a few people perform it with much regularity the widow mcgurk for instance a strong and quick walker and big anne who stumps on steadily and perseveringly and says musher good gracious glory be to god it's here i am when she arrives little old mrs kilfoyle too might for many years be met pattering along with a clean white flannel petticoat over her head and her face looking out quaintly through the pocket-hole this is the fashionable substitute for a cloak in lisconnel and mrs kilfoyle's venerable blue cloth hooded garment soon after it came into her possession by inheritance had been stolen by a passing vagrant to the lasting impoverishment of her family in the female line she used to trot on with a briskness and staying power which did her son brian's heart good to see when the neighbours commented upon it and said sure be dad she was as young as any of them he was as much pleased as if some one had guaranteed him ten years good harvests for by that time she must have been verging upon eighty according to conjecture in lisconnel our ages are always more or less matters of guesswork once they begin to be reckoned by years but one sunday it was a mild mellow-lighted september afternoon she grew so very tired on the way back that they had the work of the world getting her home and she never went to mass again though by one of those fictions which make life endurable it was always understood that she would resume the practice when the weather did be something drier or warmer or cooler perhaps goodness coming on easter or 
Michaelmas, and Brian found this a sadly shrunken source of satisfaction. During the late summer and early autumn, Lisconnel is most frequently and numerously represented in the little chapel near the town, partly perhaps because its inhabitants are at this season better fed, and have consequently more energies to spare for extra exertions, and partly because, in the pleasant breezy blue and white mornings, mothers and wives and sisters find it easier to beat up recruits for their three hours' trudge to first mass. Even on rare occasions, when there is a station held at Duffclane, which cuts a couple of miles off their tramp, the start has to be a timely one, made while your long shadow eclipses many twinkling stars in the grass as it slides before you and while the air is still fresh with dew. On such mornings as these, quite a procession sometimes goes over the knock-on, the white cloaks and shirt-sleeves gleaming with a stainlessness and snowiness which always puzzles me when I look into the dark doors whence they issue. I do not think that a Lisconnel afflicts itself much about its remoteness from chapel, and this equanimity is in a measure due to the attitude adopted by old Father Rooney, who has for over forty years been its parish priest. In his most active days he recognized how impossible it would be to establish any very close connections between himself and that furthest outlying shred of his widely scattered cure and a natural benevolence of disposition inclined him to console his parishioners for their inevitable stinting in the matter of his ministrations perhaps also the breadth of the spacious physical horizon which he had before his eyes as he rode about the bogs may have somehow influenced his mental vision me good woman he exhorted mrs mcgurk one day when she had been lamenting the probability that it might be her husband's fate to die without his clergy you should not be making your mind too uneasy on that score send for me of course and if by any means i can come up to you well and good but if i'm prevented you've no call to be supposing that you'll be left without every sort of assistance for that reason likely enough i will be all the while riding off salonmore ways or dromesque ways as fast as i can contrive but i'm not taking the blessed saints and the mother of mercy and the rest following along with me same as if i was so to speak showing them their road they know where they wanted as well as you or i you may depend and won't be asking either of our leaves to get there mrs mcgurk was slightly shocked and greatly relieved by this view of the matter i am not prepared to deny that if her circumstance had been less utterly poverty-stricken father rooney might have sincerely believed it his duty to point out a more expensive method of quieting her misgivings but extreme indigence has some immunities and these people of lisconnel are such empty-handed travellers between life and death that no one can be much tempted to demand this kind of toll from them on the way father carroll who sometimes assists father rooney 
takes a rather sterner view of things which however does not count for much here or there owing to his smaller popularity the people generally speak of him as the cross priest less because they really know anything to the disadvantage of his temper than because his harsh featured blue shaven face looks somewhat grim beside the other's kindly ruddy countenance and fringe of white hair to some persons father carroll's outward man would suggest a suspicion that he was habitually guarding dark secrets but i do not believe that this is the case he is on more substantial grounds considered to have a great eye entirely for a good horse one st peter's day he came up to lisconnel on an urgent sick call and when departing fell in with terence doyne a wildish lad to whom he put the question why he had not gone to mass that morning with his parents instead of fishing for pekins along by the river appending as a sort of corollary which we know is often more puzzling than the original proposition a request to be informed what effect on his final destinies terence anticipated from such a line of conduct terence replied whether your reverence i'll be right enough i'm thinkin mass or no mass would me mother down below there prayin' away for me like everything you could name sure you wouldn't say they'd go for to be makin a fool of her lettin her waste her time axin for nothin she'll get if they would she might as well have been after them pinkeens that's as slivery to try catch as little old divils did your reverence ever hear tell there was trouts in the bit of stream along yonder terence was trying to slip away from the point but father carroll would not be evaded and said no terence to be certain your mother will experience the benefit of her prayers but suppose she's granted something else better instead of the saving of a young sliverine like yourself and such a thing is easy enough to imagine where'd you be then my fine lad this presentment of the case somewhat flabbergasted terence and his reverence would probably have had the last word if terence's brother matt a smaller and more reflective gossoon had not intervened saying confidently there's nary no such a thing to be had sorra another thing would pass upon me mother if anything went agin him not if it was the illigentest could be conceived she's always had such a wish for him matt pointed to terence as never was musher but it's a fine time them saints would be havin it's pluther 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 should go like the old hummin machine they had threshin oats down at hillfirthy's below and divil a minute's peace at one of them git with her if anybody looked crooked at him father carroll had not an argument ready so he only said the poor woman seems likely to have her own work with the pair of you and the advantage may be considered to have rested with the brothers several years after this a most brilliant july sunday rose upon lisconnel and by seven o'clock the people bound for chapel were prepared to start it was a hot very still morning the invisible hand which is almost always combing the rushes and sedges about the marshy pools had for once 
left them to stand straight and there was not a breath stirring that could have carried the lightest cloud fleck across the deep speedwell blue of the sky where however no clouds were to be seen yet old mick ryan who was sunning himself at his door said that the weather looked none too fine and wouldn't hold up much longer it's too clear altogether over yonder he said pointing to the far-off horizon against which a sharp peak was delicately outlined in faint wild violet colour we'll be apt to have a crack of thunder presently it's in the air but the others said they saw no signs of it and it would be a queer thing to have a thunder so early in the month when the chapel-bound party had gone a little way beyond the hill they met terence doyne coming from the opposite direction is it home you're going terence said his sister stacy i'm glad of that now for you'll be company to mother and matt's away off somewheres down the bog for mrs doyne was ailing and stacy had been divided between a particularly strong wish to attend mass this morning and a feeling that she ought to stay and keep her mother heartened up she now walked on with a sobbed conscience though judging by terence's appearance one might have thought him likely to prove rather a wearing companion his look being as of one who has a grievance and resents it and as a matter of fact his mother so far from being cheered up when some time afterwards he stooped in at her doorway felt her heart gripped again by a temporary staved-off dread she had supposed him safely on his way to mass since he had come back however she earnestly desired him to remain indoors and she made conversation perseveringly under the discouragement of brief and grumpy replies she hoped she was talking him into good humour until he suddenly glanced round the shadow-hung walls and said there's one of the loys took where's matt och away outside maybe just traipsin about said mrs doyne with a start and so i was tellin you judy ryan says to me they were half through the chap's as solid as a gob of mud when he's took a notion in his fool's head terence went on disregardfully i know that he's after cuttin sods in the bank where i've told him times and again there isn't a spade load of good slain turf let alone its bein twist as far to carry as from the place i was showin him yesterday he turned towards the door but his mother whose head and hands had begun to tremble said piteously sure never mind about it this instant terence Bick. where's the hurry what were we sayin about the ryans it was something divertin enough i know only it's just passed out of me head till i remember it in another minute wait now terence honey would you fancy a bit of the griddle cake mrs kilfoyle brought me there was a good bit over that i couldn't ate last night and i put it away on purpose for you to be havin' it beautiful whole meal it is she was sent a present of our mothers never quite believe that we have fully outgrown the lure of sugar bread and butter or the like and perhaps they hold a not altogether ungrounded faith then as terence was striding on gracelessly past this offer she said och then stay a bit wid me jewel sure it's lonesome i do be and stacy away all the mornin and never a soul for me to pass a word wid and me head's bad 
sure you might stop in a while when i ax you she so seldom made a point-blank appeal for anything on her own behalf that terence was impressed and sat down to her great relief upon the ledge of the dresser which jingled all its jugs and cups every time he swung his legs furthermore he said ye old toad which pleased her vastly as she had reason to consider it an excellent sign for his temper but after all when she was breathing freely and thinking of topics to talk about he jumped up as if something had stabbed him and went plunging through the door before she had time to put in another word of protest his mother sat looking miserable for a short time and then went out also and a little way up the road to where a knot of neighbours were gathered some seated in a dwindling shadow of the sheridan's walls and some in the broad sunshine on the top of the dyke the sky was still clear and deeply ultramarine but had lost its earlier glistening as of suspended dews and looked sultry low down on its southern rim the jagged edge of a dense black cloud would just show itself here and there for a moment and shrink back out of ken you might have fancied some huge dark-hided shape lurking there in ambush and as it prowled to and fro ever and anon inadvertently discovering a pricked-up ear or ridge of a spine about the sheridan's door people were carrying on a conversation leisurely and intermittently perhaps one should say a series of conversations so long were the frequent pauses the flow of their discourse quickened into animation and continuity only in some eddy of anecdote as for example when Audie rafferty was recounting a fracas which had taken place lately somewhere between down below and down beyant pat martin was tellin me he said young willie molloy and another young fellow from dromesk be the name of joyce were after havin the greatest set to at all on tuesday night where they were workin for sullivan plowin for turnips young molloy was and drove over a stone in the furrow and smashed a backband all to flitterjigs whereby sullivan came along and gave him dog's abuse so molloy ups and says joyce has a right to have seen the plow harness was sound afore they went out and joyce he ups and says the harness was right enough and the other had no call to be forcing his plow over such a sizable lump of a stone so from that they got to bullyraggin and bargain one another outrageous till the end of it was they fell to boxin on the road goin home most terrific a young molloy got the other chap down and pat says he'd have had him choked as sure as there was breath in his body only old molly finney caught him by the hind leg till some of the rest of them pulled him off och he said it was a great fight entirely the only wonder is said mrs sheridan that them young chaps don't do slaughter on each other oftener than happens that puts me in mind of one of the further backest things i remember said joe ryan old mick's youngest brother twas as long ago as when i wasn't the size of them spalines over there look at them now sure the divil's busy with them they're dragging a couple of chickens up and down the street in their mother's saucepan just let her get home to them 
sure i dunno what old ages go it mayn't be for it's generations since the McCranns quit out of this and it was the time they had the quigley's house but i mind the son luke one sunday mornin' comin' up here from wherever he'd been powerful hot weather it was and much about this season of the year and when he come his old father and sisters and some more of us were just streelin about the place promiscuous so he streeled along too and nobody noticed anything uncommon well we were passin be the dyke there at the bottom of mrs mcgurk's field of potatoes and in one corner of it there was a great blaze like of red poppies as there may be this present instant for that matter but when luke mccran set eyes on them he let the most surprisin yell you ever witnessed and grabbed hold of his father as he might ha done and he scared at anything afore he was grown lord in heaven says he pointin afore him what's that there sure but what else ud it be you gomeral says one of the girls except a clump of poppies troth said he i dunno what i thought it was at all and began laughin a great hoarse laugh as if he was tryin to pass it off so he walked on a few perches till we come where there was a line of poppies again growin in the long grass under the dyke and if we did luke mccran let another yell out of him you might have heard in cork and stood starin wild says he the divil's done that on me the divil's done that on me it's on this road and it's all along the other road and where am i to get to at all i say says he seemin to go altogether beyond himself and wid that he lipped the dyke and twas just there at the road centre away wid him out over the bog as if hell was let loose behind him faith he whirled through wet and dry like an old rag caught in a strong wind folk thought he had drink taken but maybe something better than half an hour after he'd gone the police came up wid word there was a man lyin under a bank in a bit of bog sallyberg ways on hillforthy's land it was and his head all battered to smithereens with the handle of an old grip and he seen alive last in company with luke mccran drinkin together they were the night before och that was an ugly business nothin ud suit me but to skite off down there to see what i could howaniver the misfortunate bein never was took i dunno what became of him at all and his family quite decent poor people they were only luke did always be fire and hot in his temper sure i dare say you might remember it judy we are much the one age bedad do i said judy it had slipped hold of me recollection but now you mention it i remember it right well but it's a misapprehension to say nobody noticed aught amiss with him for the first instinct he came you might easy see he was tremblin head and foot like a horse that's after takin a fright and his eyes were that wild the look of him as clear before me yet as if he was standin as close to me as mrs doyne is now isn't there ever a seat in it for you ma'am you don't look always fit to be standin about deed it's mighty indifferent you're lookin whatever pat set the old creepy stool for mrs doyne no thank you ma'am said mrs doyne i'm just steppin in to speak to mrs kilfoyle tis the heat of the sun discommodes me it's blazin hot this day 
twon't trouble her much longer then if that's what ails her said peter sheridan as she turned away twill be black out on us afore we're five minutes older there'll be a little enough heat left in it wanst it gets behind that that was an enormous blue-black cloud rampart with crenellated summit and buttressed base which had reared itself almost to the zenith in the north and still rose steadily livid white cloudlets scudded across its dark face and here and there a rift let in background of coppery glare thunder everybody said or thought and straightway anxious forebodings about potatoes and clutches of eggs mixed in many minds with a vaguer disquietude lisconnel is seriously alarmed at thunderstorms it might pass off yet judy ryan said hopefully that's not the way of the wind what trifle there is does be southerly as if peter sheridan rejoined ominously everybody didn't know that thunder comes up again the wind which is of a piece with the rest of its contrariness and bad cess to the same still the sun held mrs doyne in a scorching dazzle all the way to kilfoyle's door so that she had finished thanking mrs kilfoyle kindly for the griddle bread before her blinking eyes had caught sight of the little old woman in her obscure corner mrs doyne a down-hearted person whose experience of life had not been calculated to encourage her was always very capable of fears which she sometimes kept to herself for private brooding over but generally sooner or later communicated to a sympathizing neighbor therefore mrs kilfoyle was not at all surprised when her visitor now sat down and said lamentably me heart's broke this is our customary formula for announcing that we are in any sort of tribulation and may mean nothing serious are you finding yourself took worse again me dear said mrs kilfoyle commiseratingly ah no said mrs doyne it's the lads terence and matt they have me distracted i don't know what's come over them this while back for they always lived together as friendly as a pair of old brogues but now there's something gone agin them they're that cross with one another twould dishearten you to see never a thing matt can do but terence'll find fault with it and they'll bicker and alligate about every hand's turn i believe they'd raise an argument about the stars and the sky if they could find nothing else handier and i don't know where it'd end sure most people do be contrary that way now and again said mrs kilfoyle consolingly and nobody can expect young lads like them to have a scrumption of sense that's where it is for how can you tell what demented thing they'll be apt to go do why sure if one of them lost control of himself for an instant of time he might be hittin the other a crack he'd never get the better of before he knew what he was at och the dread of that's never out of me mind when they're away together i do be hearin somebody comin down the road wid the news every foot that stirs and i can't sleep at night for thinkin of it often i'm wishin the day ud never come round again to be givin them a chance to destroyin one another let it keep dark says i for there's little to see be daylight but that one's afraid to look at now that's the talk of a fool said mrs kilfoyle with candor but my opinion is 
nobody's rightly sensible in the nights the notions they'll take in their heads when they're lying awake are mostly as unreasonable as when they're dreamin outright if i were you mrs doyne ma'am i'd not mind a thraneen that i thought in the night unless it was a patroon for thinkin something different by other whiles fay if some one was kilt every time a couple of people were unpleasant in their tempers how many of us would be left alive it's not every time it's just the one time i go in dread of said mrs doyne and i know matt's out on the bog cuttin turf this mornin before i come in to you terence went off there with himself too as like as not they'll get disputin about somethin and the wild bog's a terrible dangerous place for any persons to be quarrelin in among all them hideous deep bottomless holes sure a slip or a shove might send one of them over the edge and them tussling about convenient and then there do be the loys and grips lying around suppose neither of them got caught up in such a thing into his hand in a rage och the saints shield em and it's as black and as bitter as soot terence poor creature was looking when i last set eyes on em talkin o' black said mrs kilfoyle with intentional inconsequence it seems to be growing unnatural dark the thickest shadows indeed had stolen forth from all the room corners emboldened by the abrupt withdrawal of the long rays which had thrust a wedge of glowing gold in at the open door and turned mrs kilfoyle's favourite metallic burnished jug into a refulgent star where it hung on its remote recess the two women rose and stood looking out on a great gloom people who had never seen a wide sweep of bogland beneath the scowl of a thundercloud hardly know what blackness the face of the earth can gather at noontide nowhere else one imagines does murk swooping from overhead so mingle with murk striking up from underfoot for the ground seems not merely to passively accept the shadows flung down upon it but to reflect them back as water reflects sunshine the grim bog broadens and flattens itself under the luring cloud masses as if some monstrous weight were actually drawn across it and their blackness is drawn into relief by lurid gleams of smoky yellow to-day the sullen lustreless glare as from the low of some far distant furnace seemed to beat against the dense vapour screen and struggle through its interstices with an evil-looking glimmer weera said mrs kilfoyle woman alive did you ever behold the like of such a sky as that it might be a lochful of coal tar boiling up over on an old brass pan the lord be good to us this day but there's going to be something beyond the beyonts entirely if it was the end of all the ages it couldn't look more unnatural mrs doyne was ordinarily much more afraid of thunderstorms than mrs kilfoyle who had a reassuring theory that if you just stayed quiet in whatever place you happened to be the lightning would know where you were and be apt to keep out of your way like her Audie rafferty objected a mad dog that won't turn out of the road he's started runnin in to bite you but mrs kilfoyle said it was all one lisconnel is decidedly eclectic in its philosophical explanations of natural phenomena on this occasion 
however mrs doyne's mind had been preoccupied by an anxiety that crowded out her usual panic and when she strained her gaze over the expanse of gloom before her it was not to note the march of the menaced storm katie she said to little kilfoyle who stood near you that have the good sight look and tell me can you see aught movin yonder on the bog katie's grey eyes were as keen as any young hawk's and she at once replied matt doyne's cuttin turf away down there and his brother's crossin over to where he is he's just after leapin a bit of a pool as she spoke a faint waft of wind came panting towards them out of the breathless hush and made all the taller grass tufts tremble here it is said mrs kilfoyle solemnly but nothing followed except a slight puff of dust mrs doyne said with a groan och them two lads sure they'll run home in next to no time nary a harm they'll git why gossoons like them just put down their heads and off with them skitin across all before them eh but it doesn't seem so long said the little old woman since i'd be doing the same myself they're not like you and me they must be liftin our feet over each separate stick or stone in our road same as a couple of old hens mercy be among us woman dear you're never goin after them in the face of that for mrs doyne was gathering the folds of her ragged shawl under her chin with a left hand which if you wear a shawl habitually means that you are setting out somewhere it's not a right thing for you to be doing at all getting yourself drowned dead for nothing in the palthers of rain we're safe to have presently if there's naught worse than palthers coming terence was mad i know about matt cuttin at that turf bank murmured mrs doyne glancing nervously at the darkest cloud get out said mrs kilfoyle it is raven frantic you suppose them to be that they'd stop there rise and rose with turf cuttin with the noonday turned as black as the inside of an old soot-bag before their eyes they'd have more woo goodness save and deliver us all a vibrant steely glare sawed the gloom before their faces for a terrible moment and the thunder peal almost overtaking it prolonged their affright through a sharp rattle and bellowing boom dying away in lumbering rumbles and thuds run in katie run in both of yous cried mrs kilfoyle vanishing into her doorway but mrs doyne darted straight across the road and out upon the scowling bog she went in mortal fear weak as she was the mere solitary traversing of so much rough unsheltered ground would have seemed formidable to her but now if the swaying cloud bastions had been a fort sweeping her path with shot and shell until the torn air round her shrieked death she could not have found it harder to face every foot she set before the other had in a mental debate been turned to flee ere the step was taken forwards as she walked over the yielding ling stalks and slippery short grass she dared not lift her eyes from the ground lest they should meet that fearsome flickering blaze it came again and again making her heart stand still with terror but a dread within dread still drove her on muttering broken appeals till all the powers of heaven then the air hissed and she felt 
hailstones pelting on her forehead and hands and presently saw them gathering in white drifts under black roots and banks and sprinkling dark spaces of bare turf cold blasts came with the hail flapping her shawl into her eyes they seemed to be suffocating her yet when they had blustered by she felt as if they had taken her breath with them she could hardly tell the real thunderclaps from the sounds that surged and hummed in her ears and her knees began to give at each heavily stumbling step like a stalk of meadow grass when its joint knot is snapped worse still a sense grew upon her that all these things had happened to her before an uncanny feeling which brings desperation with it this sense strengthened suddenly when at last coming as she thought near the place where her boys had been seen she forced herself to look up and at once descried them through the hurtle of the pelting shower only a few yards distant and fighting terence was trying to wrest a spade out of matt's hand for one nightmare moment she stood spell-stopped the next she was endeavouring wildly to call to them but she believed that no sound passed her lips only from somewhere far off in the dimness a strange hoarse voice seemed to shriek meaninglessly and before she could struggle on again floods of seething darkness rushed in upon her from all sides and swept her out of consciousness mrs doyne was mistaken her cry came distinctly to her sons and stopped their scuffle as effectually as if they had been separated by an explosion was that mother callin they said simultaneously standing with dropped arms and in the same instant they saw her fall oh my god oh my god she struck matt shouted terence was speechless and put all his energies into a great spring foiled by a twisted heather root which tripped him up so that he had to crawl dragging a useless foot after him to the place where his brother had forestalled him in white-lipped distraction neither of them could doubt that she was dead but terence yelled to matt run home for his life and get help and matt fled away through a blinding blue glare with the thunder roll trampling after him overhead then terence sat down on a low grassy ledge and said to his mother och you bad old one what made you go for to be stravin about the bog this sort of weather sure twas no thing to go do but i dare say you're better now to be lyin as quiet as you can till some of them comes to lend you a hand home for you see i'm after wrenchin me fool of a foot did you say anything mother what was you sayin musha now but you're the great old villain to be lettin on there thinkin to terrify me sure i'm always tellin you you're no better than a real downright rogue wid the inventions of you howsomever maybe all the same i won't let the hailstones be hoppin in your face the divil tear me that i wouldn't stop in the house wid her this mornin what's gone at all wid matt and the lads that there's ne'er a sign of them comin along did you hear that clap mother didn't you then it was a fine one entirely if you'd been listenin but you needn't be mindin for we'll just help you home out of it in next to no time the old villain if the lads ever come they did come as fast as they could 
and carried her home through the storm to her black little doorway which seemed as much to her present purpose as a palace of marble and ivory several people set out in quest of the priest and the doctor and dan o'beirne whom it was feared they would not find he being supposed absent from home and others devoted themselves to the discussion of the case in all its bearings little else remained for them to do but they decided that mrs doyne whatever might have took her had not been struck by lightning for oddy rafferty had been told by a farmer who had a heifer destroyed in that way that the creature was all blackened on one side like the stem of a burnt fuse-bush and there was no signs of anything on mrs doyne it was like her paralysis everybody speculated too about what she could have been doing out there on the bog and she scarce fit to go the length of her own shadow everybody except mrs kilfoyle who was merciful and said sure maybe the creature heaven help her had been looking for one of the lads to run on an errand for her End of section 5